0: My name is Isabella Johnston, The Intern Whisperer, and today's tip of the week is about cultural diversity in your company. There are three factors that can provide insight and improve diversity, equity, and inclusion. The first one is knowing yourself. It defines who an individual is your capacity to change and develop over time and resilience in the face of a challenging situation. The more you understand yourself, the more you have to bring to the table. The second one is knowing others. This is characterizations in an individual's interest and the ability to develop relationships with people who are different from themselves and their ability to better understand them. So once you realize it's not all about you, It is also about those that are around you, which is servant leadership principles. You're going to understand others. You'll know them better. The third difference is for improving cultural diversity in your company is bridging the differences. That's where you measure an individual's interest and ability to see and understand multiple perspectives and their sensitivity to inequities, to power, differentiations within organizations and situations. So again, bringing peace to a situation, resolution, and using problem-solving critical skills and improved communication to make that cultural diversity in your company something amazing. So welcome to The Interim Whisper. The show is all about the future of work and innovation. And today's guest is Sam Sanmono. Did I say it right, Sam?
1: Sanmono, he was close. <laughs> yeah,
0: thank you. He is a partner at Eightcast Corporation that helps companies sell more high-ticket B2B deals with personalized cold email. And I'm gonna tell a little story of how we met, just so our <laughs> listeners know. Because typically for all of our listeners and our viewers on our YouTube channel, I don't respond to any of those cold emails that I get. Hey, Isabella, quick question. Sam's approach was so unique, it actually piqued my interest, and I have never done that, and so that is why he is here. Um, He is quite very, very creative, and I just cannot begin to uh, hope that you will do business with him. So welcome to the show, Sam.
1: Thank you so much for having me Isabella and thank you so much for responding to my cold email, because even with that great approach, most people still don't respond, so you're one of the lucky ones.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So we usually kick off our show where we ask the guests, um, what are five words that you would say describe you and why those five words.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so first I would say is creative. Um, I Since I was a kid, I've always been like very much in my head and like daydreaming, fantasizing. I used to play a lot of video games, I used to play with a lot of toys and like used to like come up with like stories. Um, and fortunately, I was very I was encouraged from a er- very early age to like hone my creativity. I played clarinet. I played the um the violin, I wrote like a storybook in sixth grade and my English teacher at the time, you know, she really encouraged me. And so so creativity is something that I've honed throughout my entire life and something that I bring into to business. So creativity is like huge for me. If I don't actually have, if I'm not creative in my life, you know, it's maybe uh, an issue and I have to kind of, you know, address it. I would definitely say I'm ambitious. I definitely do have big goals. I want to accomplish things. Um, you know, starting a business, helping, you know, startups, I've worked pretty much in all startups and small businesses um, for most of my career. And so one to kind of help people take something from zero to something. And so so ambitious is definitely part of it. I would also say driven. Uh, I definitely have a drive to leave a mark on the world, I would say to impact people. You know, one of the best things about what I do is seeing the impact day to day right whether that's helping somebody you know grow their business or just even helping a fellow entrepreneur just deal with the ups and downs so i I have a lot of drive to to accomplish things to help others and i guess i would also say i'm pretty thoughtful Uh, as you can probably tell with my approach you know i have i'm i not necessarily the biggest believer in transactional relationships i think that being thoughtful and being appreciative are very important traits especially in, for people that are trying to do business today um, and I also try to do that in my interpersonal relationships And the last thing I would say is kind you know I really try to um, find ways to not harm people whether that's you know just having a bad day and saying nasty words because you know you really can impact people through your words through your actions so trust trying to leave the world a little bit better than I found it
0: mm. I like that very, very much. Um, I didn't tell our listeners uh, how you approached it, but it was. It was those words that you just used mm-hmm. to describe you, quite frankly, because you looked up what my company is. Many times mm-hmm. people get it wrong. They give a different name, Intern Pursuit, which it used to be. But you actually put together a way that I could take just the one thing that you sent me to be able mm-hmm. to reach out to somebody at Google and see if they would respond. And yeah. I appreciated the fact that you knew my real company name, that you knew my name, that you understood my industry, and that you could also put together something um, for a high reach. So that was all of those words right in there, exactly in that example.
1: Awesome. I'm glad it's it's shown through, Isabella.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So the next thing is, let's talk about where you went to school and how you got Mm -hmm. started and and not yeah. everybody has to go to school. So
1: mm-hmm. all good. yeah, no, I mean, you know, it's funny because I, so I went to Duke for my undergrad, Duke University. And I actually had, it was, it was an interesting experience. I had a lot of fun. Um, Very like, you know, when you go to a school like Duke, it's definitely a very privileged school, but you really get access to like some really, really bright and just very interesting people. And why, what I liked about Duke versus some of the maybe other, you know, schools of that caliber like ivy leagues so that's like very well-rounded kind of students um so it's not just like i mean it's very academic it was very academically intense but it was also you had you know athletics right you know you had fraternity life you had you know of course many people do like study abroad but there were like specific duke programs that were just really cool and the campus is gorgeous so i had a had a really good time made some really good connections when i was there Um, and i majored in history which is kind of interesting. So I was really good at history in high school. And so I kind of continue that in college. I like to say because I like a good story. Now, I don't really utilize any of my history um, knowledge in my day to day. I do like to follow I was a political science minor. So I do like to follow, you know, politics, um, especially at the intersection of business and politics is really fascinating to me. Um, and so, so, yeah, but what I do leverage or what I did was able to build on, you know, in my early in my career and even now are like my research skills, my critical thinking skills, my ability, my ability to write and create persuasive arguments. Those are things that have served me very, very well in multiple jobs and then as an entrepreneur. Um, so getting coming out of college, I really wanted to do marketing. So at first I thought I wanted to become a lobbyist. I had did an internship in D.C., <laughs> realized that that wasn't for me. So plug to internships. Internships are great because they help you figure out what it is that you like and don't like. And the experience is great, even though you may never end up going down that path. So I had an internship in DC and I didn't have a job lined up my senior year um, of college. You know, like I had a lot of other friends that were like going into banking or going into consulting and I didn't really kind of know what I wanted to do, but I know I wanted to, to do something with like social media or marketing because it was hot at the time. And so out of college, I landed an internship at a uh, startup it's called Squirrel. And they were doing like online video. And I had that internship as a paid internship, but the they didn't have enough funding or whatever. So it was only like three, four months. So then I had to look for another internship and that was unpaid and it was with the html5 video game startup it was like when html5 was hot supposed to be like the next thing that never panned out but the guys were really cool um they had actually sold their previous companies to aol so i remember going up to the aol offices because they were meeting with i think the ceo of aol it was actually a cool um kind of experience so it wasn't paid but it was really just to kind of get my foot in the door and then my last internship was at a startup called evospend which ended up they ended up hiring me full time to be the first employee it was a financial technology startup so that kind of got me actually into finance initially i wanted to do marketing and i ended up getting hired on as the marketing and operations analyst eventually became like a marketing associate and over the course of like two and a half years i was given a lot of experience a lot of uh rain to you know be involved in you Know a little bit of development, software development, um, <clears throat> a little bit of marketing, a little bit of sales, some fu- uh fundraising. You know, it helped put together our pitch decks and financials, so it was a great experience. And yeah, so I don't know if that's maybe I'm you know, I don't know if I answered your question all the way, but you
0: did. You asked yeah,
1: so some early career type stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah, I had no idea of, of this yeah. background, and this is so interesting to me. So where are you now? You it's eight yeah. did you become a partner and
1: was yeah. there anything
0: in between those internships to them?
1: Yeah. So before I became a partner at ACAS, which is my my company that I founded, I call myself a partner because frankly I don't I don't want to be a CEO, to be honest. I actually want to the way I envision is a is a consultancy. So eventually, you know, we'll have a number of different services or verticals that we can offer and you know have different partners within each that has like a area of expertise kind of like a law firm in a sense Mm -hmm. right you know maybe you've got somebody that does b2b sales or marketing maybe you've got you know i do some financial stuff as well Um, but in between eight cast and those some of those early experience i used to work at a family office in new york city so small little family office i was the lead investment associate there did that for another two and a half years. And then in 2016, I went out on my own. I was like, you know, I want to try my hand at this entrepreneurship uh, stuff. So also I, so my parents started businesses. We had two businesses in the family. We had a daycare and we had a dry cleaner. Mm -hmm. Dry cleaner failed, but the daycare was actually pretty successful. And I worked in both businesses alongside my siblings and my, my parents. So kind of, you know, I was maybe not yeah, I guess I was used to entrepreneurship or the concept of entrepreneurship. And so I felt somewhat comfortable. And right around the same time, I, you know, went on on my own. My oldest brother started his own sales consulting business. And so he we started collaborating and working together. And actually, that's when I started sending out cold emails and realizing like, oh, this like companies need help with this. They need help with fundraising. They need help with sales. They need help with marketing. And so fast forward after just doing that kind of contract uh, freelance type stuff, I worked with a number of different companies. I decided to incorporate it in 2021 as a formal, you know, C corporation and, you know, take it from there.
0: Wow. That sounds very, very exciting. I'm curious, why did a dry cleaners business? Because I would have thought that would have been opposite, honestly. I thought the dry business would be very, very profitable and, and successful. Whereas the daycare, it's so heavy with insurance and liability, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. why?
1: Yeah, so great question. I don't, I mean, so I, I guess I'll start with the dry cleaner. So I think there was a few mistakes and I, I love my parents and they, they tried. So this is not like a knock on them, then
0: but I think- is how we learn. So right exactly. Okay.
1: Yeah, and you know, my dad is totally cool with it. It was kind of his idea because, so we had the daycare successful you know, but it's still like a mom and pop. like we had two like daycare centers, like, you know, like a house that we converted. And so, so there's, I think a few things that make the daycare a little bit more. um So one, you get government funding, you can get government funding for, you know, especially if you're dealing with lower income type of families, you know, they do get government assistance. So it is a little bit, or at least back then, I don't know what it, how it is now, you know, that was, that did make up a significant amount of the uh, money that my That the business was bringing in and then i just think my mom had a passion for kids like she loves she loves kids i have quite a big family and so i don't know i guess they just made it work um now for the dry cleaner i think location 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 i don't think we had the right location um like it was a dry cleaner in on long island like in actually a well-off town but i just don't think the location that we had was like great for it. And then I just think, you know, there's just lots of mistakes that, you know, my parents made, Um, you know, hiring some of the wrong people, people who, you know, stole money and did some, you know, all types of things of that nature. Um, I also think, you know, we did open up a second location at one point to try to, uh, you know, generate more sales. And I think that that was probably a factor too, right? Because if you had one location that was struggling, two is probably not going to. Yeah you know, make it better. Um, and so, so yeah, so those were some like really core lessons and really it was, you know, a sales and marketing thing. Now for the daycare, it was easy to, to market because we were in a, my parents bought a house in a relatively, I guess you could say low income area on Long Island, um, you know, catering to a lot of, you know, African American and Hispanic families. And so, you know, you just had your house, and you had a sign for the daycare, right? And I'm sure mothers who were in the area who were most likely single mothers could probably just see the ad and be like, oh, wow, there's a daycare like right down the street from my house. Like this is perfect, you know? So I think, you know, that location, the ability to market very easily to think about like your target demographic. I think that that was uh, contributed to the success. I've never actually vocalized any of this before, mind you. (laughs) It's all just been sitting in the back of my mind, I guess.
0: Yeah, that's that's I'm sure that's very, very true, because yeah. the the logistics of how you mm-hmm. described it and who the population is, I mean, yeah, I would say, yeah, that all makes perfect sense, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Um. Anyway, well, I, do your parents ask you for advice now? Do they come to you? <laughs> you seem to be doing well. So I would think they do.
1: No, nah, they don't so much ask me for advice now. They're they're So my mom is actually she just retired this year. Um, my dad is close. My dad's been a professor at, uh, York college in, uh, Queens for, I don't know, 30 plus years now. So he's going to retire pretty soon. He's going to get a nice pension. And so the business was just something that my, when, before when my mom was, you know, she was, she had like a job in like a hospital It was very hard on her like feet. And so they started this business to, you know, kind of get her out of that and like doing something that she loved. And so we had a good run with it. Uh, so they don't really ask me for advice because they're not, I think they're, you know, they're a little too, they're tired, you know, they just yeah, want to relax and chill. Um, but I actually get advice from them because I, you know, this hasn't been an easy, anybody who started a business knows, you know,
0: Yeah, I do. It's
1: like, That's it's not easy. And so, you know, my dad is a really big inspiration and just like, you know, just tells me to stay encouraged and to keep at it and you know to figure things out and he gives me you know he so my dad teaches computer science so he's like think about things that you can automate in your business and scale and so yeah he's actually a really good kind of resource uh for at least the encouragement side of things he doesn't know exactly what i'm doing per se but yeah <laughs> he yeah. can give good advice from like things to not do
0: i can tell you i think i would i would like that <laughs> i'd like your dad quite a bit <laughs> my parents had started a business and it didn't go well also mm-hmm. and and but my dad had always had a job so when i talk to my dad about anything that's entrepreneurial he's he's at a total loss he yeah. doesn't know what to say <laughs> <So> he just <laughs> says nothing
1: <laughs> he's probably just wants you to be like safe and secure you know
0: maybe yeah maybe <laughs> but he doesn't go and say go get a job
1: I say, oh that's good that's good job, <laughs> good. <a> good job. <laughs> yeah so. that's awesome
0: mm-hmm. Well, anyway, tell us about what ACAST is. Go into yeah. more about what that is.
1: Yeah, so uh, so cast Corporation, it's really just a, a management consultancy, you know, around the areas that I think are really, really critical to startups. So, I've done a number of workshops with you know some accelerators, incubators, things of that nature, and I really think there's two key issues that often come up: it's fundraising and it's sales, mm-hmm. um, which are coincidentally the two biggest reasons for failure right? Uh, And so, so yeah, just having worked in early stage startups, um, you know, I had the finance experience from that first fintech company, then working for a family office. So when I started, I kind of skipped over this in the other course question you asked, but when I started uh, freelancing in 2016, that's what I was doing. I was helping people create their pitch decks, their financial models, their business plans. And so I still do that today. Still a good part of my business. And then Right around the same time, my brother, as i mentioning, was had his own sales consulting business, so I started working with him. And so now he does like you know he's more, uh, you know, kind of I moved up like to more enterprise, whereas I'm still working with a lot more smaller, early, earlier stage companies, figuring out you know the tactical things of B two B prospecting. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just decided to just create that umbrella company and have these different services that I can offer that I know are guaranteed to help people. Increase their success rates with starting a business.
0: Mm -hmm. Yep, that is very true. And I don't know what do you? I think fear is the reason why people Mm -hmm. they just go no money. I don't want to talk about it. So it sounds like you help them. I mean, you did that with me. uh, Get (laughs) over a fear element and be able to move forward.
1: Yeah, that's certainly a component of what I do. So, and I think it's become more as I've learned more and gotten uh you know more experience yeah i think the emotional side of money is can often be really really hard to deal with um it's yeah money isn't a money isn't just an object right money comes attached with uh you know baggage or maybe maybe not always baggage right but it comes attached with feelings emotions thoughts Behaviors, right? And so, so you're right in a sense. Helping people work through that um, can be critical. Now, I'm I'm a little bit more on the business, you know, kind of corporate finance side. I'm not necessarily in personal finance, Um, but I do help entrepreneurs think about like what are ways that you can creatively raise funds. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, I need to talk to an angel investor. Yeah, I mean, you know, one of the things I wish I did when I first started was actually take out a business loan. I wish I had known more about sales and marketing and take it out a business loan um you know to to make maybe make things go a little bit faster so i do help people either like see ways in which they can achieve their dreams maybe ways in which they can present themselves to prospective investors and then yeah there is a little bit of you know helping them just manage their emotions about money a lot of entrepreneurs are just stressed um so that's where some of the sales stuff comes in it's like hey like raising capital is a, it's a grind it's a numbers game and there's actually very similar dynamics to reaching out to B two B companies. If you're not a if you're not a sell investors, you're probably going to be pretty decent at selling customers, and vice versa.
0: I'm looking forward to testing that. <laughs> That's what I'm doing right now. I'm pretty good at selling to my customers. Pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, selling it to the but you know I can only tell you I've done twelve so far investor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they've all been really good and helpful.
1: yeah Mm -hmm. yeah it's a little bit of chicken and egg and it's a a lot of it is actually relationship building you know a lot of times you know I think maybe people see the headlines and they're like oh so-and-so raised five million dollars or you know whatever amount and you think oh it's okay I'm just I just go and I have these meetings and I get money and that can happen but generally if you're very stage what you're really going to do Is build relationships with prospective investors and they're going to see how you execute over time Mm -hmm. that's how it really happens so they're going to look at you and say okay you know we had this interesting conversation back in you know last june and like where are you since then you know how many new customers have you brought on where's your your ar right you can kind of build that fomo but oftentimes unless you like you have connections or you've done it before you had an exit or something like that it can be very tough to pierce that, pierce that investor veil and, and and get to the money that you're looking for. Sometimes they wanna see you build in public, so to speak.
0: Yeah, that's really, really true. I equate it to something that's very personal. It'd be like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, if you go to your parents and you ask them, hey, I want a thousand dollars. Well, what are you gonna do with it? And when <laughs> am I gonna get it back? And are you gonna give me even any interest? I mean, it's the same questions.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then how do I know it's not gonna go to zero? Yeah. You know, and so yeah, I mean, and there and there are big questions, and you know, this kind of gets back to, there's many different types of funding. Um, of course, you know, depending on your demographics, it's more challenging, right? So, like, one of the primary, like, for my business, it's relatively, I don't really need funding per se. I mean, you, I could always use money, right? But yeah. I'm self financed, so I have a skill set. You know, I can charge for that skill set and. I most of the time I get the money up front, right? And then I just have to figure out a way to get the, you know, the work done in a very profitable manner. So it's very hard for me to not turn a profit versus, you know, maybe a business like yours or some other business where you have to build something first. Um and then but the, you know, there's a number of different ways you can fund. Angels are just one way and or VC and they really only fund, especially VCs. They really only fund like I think it's less than 2%, 3% of all businesses but they get the lion's share of the headlines yeah right everybody wants to chase them yeah yeah
0: but I, I agree with you <laughs> so much so much so what's a, a favorite quote that you live by <clears> yeah so one of my it, oh sure yours yeah is a little bit longer
1: yeah, it's it's one that I, I probably forget more than I should, but it's one of the ones that always comes to mind when people ask me this question. It's by Winston Churchill. And it's, when I look back on all these worries, I remember the story of the old man who sat on his deathbed that he had had a lot of trouble in his life, most of which had never happened.
0: I really like it. It's so deep.
1: Yes, very, very deep.
0: So unpack it yeah. just a little. That last yeah. part is the biggest part, I think.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, uh, it's so easy, I think, to get, I get caught up in, especially along this entrepreneurial journey. It's just, there's so many things that you could be worried about. And it's a really hard, it's really hard to just sit and take it in and know that, you know, you're just, like, for me, I'm having an experience, like, I'm very privileged. So I can't really sit here and say that, you know, I don't have any kids, You know, I don't have like a family to feed. Right. Uh, Thankfully, you know, my parents emigrated from, you know, my dad grew up poor in Nigeria and got a Fulbright scholarship to study at the University of Pittsburgh. All of his he got his master's and his Ph.D. That was all paid for. We ended up moving to a great school district in Long Island. Um, you know, one of the best school districts, public school districts in the country. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to be around these really smart kids and get myself into a great school. And so I, you know, something that I don't take for granted. That being said, I do have, you know, a lot of, you know, worries. You know, sometimes they're about money, sometimes they're about, you know, success. Um, you know, of course, dating and all that type of stuff. And so sometimes it's important to just sit back and just realize that like life is my at least my life. I can't talk about anybody else is. pretty good you know overall like i'm doing i could have stayed at my job and continue to make you know money working in finance Um, i still work in finance a little bit but but to me it was more important to deal with the calling of like my soul or like my my being and so sometimes i forget but it's hard i i try to you know when i find myself worrying i just try to write or listen to music or do something, I actually like working with clay just to get my mind off it. Because most of the time, at least in my case, most of my worries are not that significant. And when I actually logically consider them, then I can just take action on them instead of them building up and creating a catastrophe down the road or just frankly, never happening. I just went through life anxious. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, my takeaway from that quote was the, and I'm just gonna summarize it in a short sentence there. Is that what I think is important isn't that important.
1: That too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. At the end of the day, it's just it really isn't. Yeah. Somebody said this to me also. I heard it on the radio. They didn't say it to me. I heard it on the radio. They said, Ask yourself this question. Is it going to be important five years from now? <laughs> the answer's usually it isn't.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I think especially as it pertains to money. So I was, last year I, I traveled, I spent a month outside of the US um, in Latin America. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, um, cause I was just thinking about like some of the things that I regretted doing. And like one of the things that came up was just like about money. And, and then I was like, wait, do I, would money really be a regret? I was like, if I was on my deathbed, would I really be regretting money? Like, no. I wouldn't be regretting money. It was just like a very, it just kind of had to catch myself. Like, why, like, why am I, why is that a regret? Like, that's not a regret. Mm -hmm. You know, like not seeing your parents, you know, one time when maybe you could have, that's like a, you know, a regret, or Mm -hmm. maybe you messed up a relationship, you know, a romantic relationship, that could be a regret, or maybe you're estranged from your kids. But, so yeah, I totally agree with you. Like, that's, that's a very useful perspective to, to compare what's, what's worth actually like, worrying about quote unquote and like yeah. what's not
0: and you honestly can't worry about anything
1: yeah exactly yep
0: that in one go. <laughs> so that's a really great quote and i i look forward to hopefully hearing <laughs> um some feedback and our comments about that yeah
1: that would be awesome to hear
0: so what is the hardest lesson that you learned that changed your life
1: yeah, I think I have a couple lessons. Um so so I guess the first would be about business. So when I first started, you know, I had money saved up. And I those first few years I spent a lot of pretty much all of like the save actually all of the savings that I had just like figuring out. Like I wasn't it's not like I was like buying anything or like living like any like it's definitely like my cost of living was a lot lower than it was when I had a job. But yeah, I I think in hindsight, I just, I dove all the way in and I think in hindsight that I, I wish that I had planned or maybe like, I know for some people they can do that, but I feel like for most people, myself included, I think that it was detrimental because I was in a position of like stress in operating from like lack. And I think if I had maybe been more patient in how I approached, you know, business. I think I was very emotional about business, and I understand that there's there's an intersection between like your passion and making money, right? And you can find that. Uh, that being said, I do think that it can take time. And I, I guess if there's one thing that I would that was really hard for me to deal with, it was kind of building back from like, you know working for five years, building up a certain amount, you know, your mid to late 20s, and then just kind of seeing it all evaporate right, right before 30. And I remember at one point, I had to come back home. And this was actually right before the pandemic, I came back home, I didn't have any money. when I was home for about a year. I live in Atlanta while well, I was figuring things out. I'm like, that was, you know, that was tough. That was tough on my ego. Yeah. <laughs> and tough on my health, you know, I wasn't in the best of health, I wasn't taking care of myself as well as I could have been. And so I think that that's been definitely starting a business has been one of the, by far, probably the hardest thing that I have ever done. <laughs> I would sure. agree
0: with you. I don't know anybody <laughs> who says that differently.
1: Yeah. Having
0: kids, <laughs> going through a divorce, whatever. The big trauma yeah. things that you can go through. Yeah. Starting a business. and Because we, mm-hmm. choo- we choose this. Exactly.
1: One. Yep. Yep.
0: Not being done to us.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's like I'm a masochist or something. I don't know. <laughs>
0: I totally get it <laughs> so what would you share with your um if, looking back at your life right now what would you tell your 20 year old self that you now know that you go gosh this would change your world
1: yeah that's a great question I mean there's a number of of things I would think I would say you know to to be kinder to yourself, <laughs> I think I was you know I, so I've been keeping a journal since twenty ten um and so when I was twenty, yeah, that's actually what probably when i when I started because it was evernote I don't know when evernote came out, but i I've been using evernote since twenty ten i so I can go back and like reread some of my very early entries when I was like a junior in college, and just the language for the first few years of like my twenties was very harsh. Very critical of myself, um, put a lot of pressure on myself, it's kind of negative, and so I think going back, I wish I was just kinder to myself in my early 20s. I think I just had it was dealing with a lot of pressure, um, just self criticism, self doubt, and I think I would just tell myself that everything is going to be okay, everything's going to work out, <laughs> you're going to figure out, you know, where you're going to live, you're going to figure out what you're going to do for your career. You're going to figure out dating, you know, all that kind of stuff, all those worries. I think that 20 something uh, people have, you know, especially early twenties. So yeah, I would say to be kinder to myself.
0: Mm -hmm. That's good advice for everybody. Yeah. Well, what is in your life, who in your life has had the biggest impact Mm -hmm. and why?
1: Yeah, for sure. My dad, Um, you know, kind of like I mentioned just him. I mean, you know, it's funny. I want to go back to Nigeria now, and my parents have like no, really no desire because it's just not the Nigeria they grew up with. But yeah, my dad. I mean, I, you would tell me stories, and it's like you know, we all have some of these stories, right? Where your parents like, I had to walk to school, and like yeah, the, the, Both the, ways. yeah exactly. <laughs> and like you know, it's funny because like that that actually like my that's my dad's story. Like my dad at one point didn't even have shoes. Oh, growing up like dirt poor in Nigeria, like his family was really really poor um grew up he grew up Muslim and he ended up converting to Christianity and yeah he ended up he wanted to go to the UK he, so it's just an inspiration where he ended up wanting to go to the UK so because back then I think this was in like the 70s yeah in the 70s so the UK had like a like a one-year master's program and my dad he's always been like the first in his class like in school like literally he had to work to like pay for books for him and his siblings and like literally would have to walk miles, you know, to the nearest town to to go to school. And so he always just did so well that he was able to like get like, you know, whatever supplies and things that he needed for him and for his siblings. So he did very, very well in Nigeria. And so I remember he was telling me the story once like a few years ago of how he wanted to go to the UK to do that scholarship program. And he ended up getting denied. He was like, number one in his class and i think there was a number two in his class or whatever and that guy got the scholarship i was like depressed told him to apply for the fulbright scholarship it was like oh you have to go to america but you should apply for it my dad was like oh i don't want to go to america like whatever you know back then most people wanted to go to the uk because nigeria is a british colony anyways he ends up getting and you know just ends up making a great life um for himself here and so you know my dad and I, probably a lot, definitely a lot closer now, I think, than I was when I was younger. I think we used to butt heads quite a bit, but, you know, it's kind of like, you try to not be like your parents sometimes, and then in the end, you realize (laughs) that you're very much like them, so he's where I get my analytical thinking from, my risk-taking from, Um, you know, he's also creative. He used to play piano. He was the one who, he forced me to play musical instruments, which I didn't really enjoy at the time, but now, I'm like oh wow i see the value of it i love music and so yes he's by far the biggest inspiration um in my life
0: why is it that we fight our parents so much <laughs> right? i mean it's i don't universal. know it's universal
1: apparently. <laughs> i guess it's like the struggle for like just like yourself i don't know self actualization or autonomy mm-hmm. you know that Definitely and is. some parents, I think, make it a little bit easier than others because you also have to factor in they are also stubborn, mm-hmm. too, and they want you to be a certain kind of way. So yeah. Yeah,
0: it's very very true. They're they're so wise, and yet, <laughs> it's the struggle. The yeah. uh, mm-hmm. just what you said specifically, um, the caterpillar that turns into the butterfly and emerges right. from the cocoon. Right. We exactly. have to go through that to. Mm-hmm be beautiful.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, we're going to take a moment to acknowledge our sponsor, Transcend Network, and then we'll be right back. Transcend Network helps early stage startup founders find product market fit through weekly experiments, receive fundraising support, and build a global founder investor network for ed tech and the future of work technologies. The intern whisperer is affiliated with Employers for Change, and we thank Transcend Network for being a sponsor of our show to the second half of our show this is always one of my favorite parts also where we talk about the future of what is it going to look like the future of jobs industries so you're in the marketing and Mm -hmm. industry what do you think it's going to look like 2030 which is yeah seven years away
1: yeah i think it's impossible to so i think it's going to be interesting i think right now it's really i mean ai is on everybody's mind right chat gpt um and i think that's going to it already is has changed things. I don't think it's, in some cases it'll probably replace some jobs, but I think that it's on the whole, it's just gonna make people a lot more efficient. Um, I've already been using tools like Jasper to do like content marketing. Um, There are some AI personalization tools for cold email. So it's just gonna make things a lot more efficient. So I think you're gonna continue to see, unfortunately, um, you know, you're gonna see people being more productive and companies being more productive with fewer employees. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be a big trend. Um, if you actually look at the revenue per employee, so there's somebody did it. There's an analysis somewhere of S, the S&P 500 over time and the revenue per employee. And it's gone down like this since, 20, uh, since 1980, mm-hmm. um, which isn't really surprising right? when you think about like companies like all these tech companies, um, right? Instagram, when they sold to Facebook was like, they had like 11 employees, they sold for like a few billion dollars, right? And so I think that that trend is going to accelerate. Um, I do think there's gonna be some really cool creative possibilities for, so, so yeah, I guess the first thing is like, I think that that's gonna be, that the carnage that we're starting to see now, it's like layoffs and things of the nature, I think that, you know, I hope it doesn't accelerate, but it's probably only going to accelerate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Tesla's coming out with, they already have the Cybertruck, right? That's going to eventually self-drive itself. I don't think we'll get to self-driving by 2030, but so I think you're going to see a lot of that. Um, As far as like sales and marketing, uh, I think you're going to see a lot more creativity happening because if you have these tools now, now you don't really have to sit um, (laughs) at a blank screen and like struggle to come up with stuff. So I think you're going to see a lot of creativity. I also think you're going to see a lot of plagiarism um, a lot of I think you're gonna see more crappy content too, so right? Only like the noise is just going to continue. So I think the marketers who and salespeople who continue to who are building personal brands um and things that are unique and authentic, I think that that's going to be continue to be ever more important, especially as you know, these social media continues to proliferate, information continues to proliferate. I don't think there's going to be more noise. And so I think you're going to see that some people are going to kind of stand above the the crop, either for good or for worse, too, right? I think it mm-hmm. can kind of go go both ways, people that really know how to market and persuade people. Um, you know, like Candace Owens is is an example, or Trump is an example of uh, people not as remove like morals aside, you know, they both were liberal or Democrats mm-hmm. before realizing that they could you know, make more money by being conservatives, right? So I think that that's going to maybe increase.
0: You know what, I I think that, um, I think you're spot on, the companies will be getting smaller. And part of the reason why is they'll have a smaller pool of full-time employees, like mm-hmm. you said, Instagram 11. Uh, where they're going to go, and we're already seeing that, is more and more people will be um, having to be contractors. And yep. they'll hire them to come in for what they need, and then they'll, decide, yeah. Okay, well, these people are exceptionally good; they're fitting that, but they will not hire them as full time. Yeah. They can eliminate the tax burden and also any benefits that they're paying.
1: Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, and I think it's going to be. I mean, you're already seeing a lot of it's. So it's a it's a blessing and a curse, right? Because from a let's say you know from a solo entrepreneur's perspective. It's no, it's so much easier to build a lifestyle business or to build a business that, yeah, can cater to your lifestyle, right? You, and, you know, maybe whereas 20, 30 years ago, it was so much harder. You needed more capital. You needed people. You need, you had to come up with so much more money to market. Now, like you, Isabella, you just have a microphone and a camera and you can build a business. Um, and so I think that that's a wonderful thing. But, yeah, I do think that there are some ethical considerations around, you know, um, do you, how do you, at least for me, you know, I want to take care of people. Like, one of the things that I love about what I did last year, even though I have mostly contractors is the fact that like one of my contractors, you know, was able to get to Canada mm-hmm. from India. And like, that's a really cool thing, you know? So like, I think you can still have an impact on people's lives, but I think you have to be like thoughtful for it. And, you know, it's to the point where like, we're now, we're not even, you know, I say contractor, we're really friends. You know we've been working together you know for since 2019 um 2020 yeah, 20 early 20 late 2019 early 2020 and so it's just i think it's a it can be a cool thing and i we've actually never met face to face it's all over over zoom so i think you know for good and for worse there's going to be there's going to be some positives and there's going to be some minuses mm-hmm.
0: so the um other thing that you mentioned uh, in talking about mm-hmm. automations and the ai there's this place with Chat GPT, um, lots of concerns, right? You know, is yep. it going to eliminate a job or whatever? I think that the jobs that are going to morph out of this is going to be a um, somebody that's a fact checker. Yeah. And that can take the Chat GPT because it's mm-hmm. pulling from sources all over everything that is out yeah. in the world of the internet and say, okay, where is this coming from? and yep. these sites so fact checking would be the new writer oh huge or journalism
1: yeah. yeah yeah no i totally agree with you in fact actually at one point i don't i don't think i'll ever go down this route but at one point i was especially so this is right around 2016 when i so i quit my job and i had three months mm-hmm. so i quit my job and I, I actually dove into i actually made music during this time and i was just like existing in my i had some savings i was existing in my apartment in new york city and it was like, I think I quit in like September of 2016. And right, like Trump got elected in November. And I just remember thinking like, wow, like the skill of the next few years is to your point is going to be like fact checking, because if you could just, just make so much misinformation, and people will just believe it, it is just wild to me, like, one of the critical skills that one of my favorite authors and thinkers is uh mark manson i don't know if you're from yeah and i don't
0: know him so explain oh oh
1: okay yeah he's um he's written a couple really good books he's written the subtle i don't want to curse but he's written the book called the subtle art of not giving a f yeah it's a great book um and he has a way of just like thinking about Uh, information that I found really interesting and what I've started to do over the last few years is like when I love TikTok for example I mean who doesn't it's super addicting. when I'm on it I have to be like when I see information I'm like huh that's really interesting I don't know if it's true yet Mm -hmm. but it's really interesting so I'm going to hold it in my mind as interesting before I'm going to accept it as true Mm -hmm. and I feel like that skill set is so underrated, right? Because people will both, you know, if we even talk about the political spectrum on both sides, it's so easy to spread misinformation or cherry pick statistics, you know, uh, to your point, I think chat GPT is going to be, it's going to make, you know, or whatever Google comes out with, right? Because Google's going to come out with something too. Um, it's going to be uh, a critical skill. So I agree with you.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure what is coming, but um, I've seen already where there's professors, that obviously, uh, that company was in stealth mode for a couple of years before yeah. they, they launched it out there. And professors, and these are the wise ones, the thought leaders that mm-hmm. you're sitting there going, okay, I'm going to tell my students, yes, I want you to use it. And then I want you to go and ask it to write a five paragraph essay. And now you have to go and improve on what they give me and make sure you include sites and look for their sites. That's hard work. Yeah. So that's a smart professor because they're teaching them, you know, the research skills that they need to have and to think more critically.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love that. One of my favorite courses that I took in undergrad was a digital writing course. Um, And where we had to, I had to create, we had to create a blog Mm -hmm. around a certain topic. So mine was around music. Um, and like I, I was, I was taking music production classes at the same time and it was a really cool project because it was kind of like some of these skills that we're talking about or these concepts like that we were, we were challenged to do. And so I love it when professors, that's like true innovation when you can, you know, I feel like a lot of academia is very Mm -hmm. slow to, to modernize and to adapt. And so it's great to see, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Great to see that. So when you're.
0: I was talking to you about a report that came out that Meta put Mm -hmm. out, their recent report from 20, they published it in January, 1st of January, but it was a report that they did in 2021, about 2020. That's all when we hit with COVID. And I'm just going to read it. And it says, Facebook has been able to garner $25.43 billion. And guess what? That Facebook has made this figure together in the first quarter of 2021 yeah believable so it's really it says if things continue in this fashion this number could exceed 100 billion after the fiscal year and they were talking about uh the 2021 year uh, yeah October. so you said that you were going to check because you thought that yeah. it was bigger would you find Yeah
1: so it is a little bit bigger so i think their q3 2022 number was like 27 or 28 billion. billion mhm yeah, 27.71 billion. So I'm assuming that their Q4, which is going to come out probably sometime soon, I wasn't able to find it, but yeah, it'll come out sometime soon. They, they're probably going to do even more, right? Because that's Q4, which is the holiday mm-hmm. season, right? So it should be up. So I think when that initial report came out, the growth trajectory for Facebook was a little bit loftier. Mm -hmm. right before all the the these companies started cutting their growth forecasts and laying people off um i think facebook has been getting all you know there's a lot of competition for that company so i don't think that 100 billion is going to happen anytime soon but i mean company making 25 billion dollars a quarter even if it flatlines right like that's that's a big business That's Um, crazy yeah yeah
0: so much money and we were talking, and, and I'm really not that active on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And I just really, I know it's been in the market longer than any of the other channels, but I wonder yeah. how much TikTok is getting in comparison. And, you know, that's from China. So it's like yeah. the same.
1: Yeah. I don't, a lot of people are pretty negative on Facebook. I'm not. I, to me, I mean, I know they're evil. But all all of these tech companies are. Like Apple is the least evil, evil of these companies, right? But they're still like their AirPod business is, you know, it's <laughs> their AirPod business is bigger than some businesses. I mean, it's almost does ten billion a year in revenue. So so yeah, I don't think Facebook is going anywhere. I think um, you know yeah, I, I feel like Instagram is still growing. Mm-hmm. And so they're competing against uh, TikTok there, and I know the question like was around like the ethical, so ethical yeah. dilemmas that Facebook poses. Yeah, I think. Look, I I don't. So when I was that first startup that I was at, we were that's what we were trying to do was um, create prepaid cards for brands. So imagine if Facebook had a prepaid card, and they could see their customer spending data, and make offers around it. So like this has already been around, like your credit cards, banks sell your your information, credit card companies sell your information. So from a moral perspective, while I do think it is creepy, you know, um, I just don't see how they're going to, like this is America. I just don't see, I don't think they're going to change. I don't think they're going to feel guilty about it. (laughs) You know, I think Apple, Apple did a good job in changing their privacy settings and that really hurt Facebook's business but I I don't know I feel like yeah I think there needs to be more protections for consumer data Mm -hmm. but I'm not sure if you know our government has the maybe Europe will have the the legislative like uh cojones so to speak
0: yes (laughs) I have that (laughs) ovaries
1: right yeah uh, to uh to you know, uh, clamp down on these guys. And they they have. They've been they've been finding them left and right. Google, Facebook. I don't know. Probably Apple too, going after their taxes. I think in Ireland and stuff. And so, so yeah. So I but I still like in the U.S. And maybe it might be a company like Apple that's going to continue to innovate around it.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Well, well, that I'm going to save my thought for another question. <laughs> so, looking at ethical dilemmas, though, we're going to mm-hmm. pick that one up. What do yep. you think the ethical dilemmas, aside from privacy laws and maintaining privacy for the customers? yeah, i I always question, I don't know about you, but I have never read the terms and I have an iPhone. I, and I know you said Apple was like maybe I'm using this word, exempt from being like some of the others. No, they're not. So yeah, one fun. of the people <laughs> um, in Transcend Network pointed out, have you ever read the Apple Terms and Conditions? I said, I have not. He said, well, and he showed me exactly in my phone where to find it. And yep. He said, there you go. It says that they can monitor your your audio and everything you say, your text, mm-hmm. everything. You give them that right. And so yeah. they are listening. They yeah, absolutely. Right now,
1: absolutely. Yeah. I don't think privacy really exists anymore.
0: No we think it does
1: it's false yeah exactly i don't think it exists anymore i think that we should have control over how our data is used yeah right but i don't think we really have any privacy so so yeah i mean ethically i feel like we're far past that we're past the point of no return unless there's some big backlash against you know these tech companies um and maybe everybody goes back to just like not being chronically online mm. uh which I think is, you know, it's a little bit hard to imagine right now, especially given, you know, the younger generations. Um, But yeah, I think that...
0: (laughs) So let me me help you here. The grid will go down. One day the grid will go down. And when that happens, everybody's not gonna know what to do for sure. I know that that will happen. All of this data being stored in the cloud costs a lot of money and minerals that are going into our phones and all of the devices so there will be a place where it's not possible to do that there's a show on netflix called the future of don't know if you saw mm, it i haven't seen it really interesting they have i think it's about 10 maybe it's eight eight to ten episodes where they're looking at for example where is all of our data being held and instead yeah. of putting it in the cloud they would turn around and put it into plants and trees and i'm going yeah but there's a problem what happens when there's a freeze what happens when the you know everything burns up in the forest where's all of that data going kind of like an avatar movie if you will Mm -hmm. yep 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 all the trees held all knowledge that's kind of cool and everything so but they actually have this so go look for it, people on Netflix it's called the future of and they talk about um, human composting instead Mm. of putting people in the ground in, in caskets yeah. or, you know, you can certainly do uh, cremation, but you're using human composting and I'm going, yeah, but what's the problem when you're trying to prove that somebody was murdered, you know, where's where's the DNA, you know, it's, yeah. not, I mean, you know, it's there, there's just a lot of, it's a more positive look. I've talked about this on so many shows than black mirror, which is really, yeah.
1: And yeah, Black Mirror is great, though.
0: It is. <laughs> it makes you really question everything. Yeah. And then there's also this future of that's out there. So it's a, a more balanced approach to these ethical questions that we should be asking because New York just approved human composting last in, in December of last year. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a
1: thing. I never even I didn't even to be honest. I didn't even know that was a thing.
0: <laughs> it is. And I think they said it was like twelve or thirteen states that have approved yeah. it. So there's a, yeah. a movement to go towards that. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's really interesting. It makes sense. I mean, because right, the reason for why probably you know they had caskets are probably I don't know the reason why people came with casks. I'm sure there's some ceremonial aspect to it, you know, creating a tomb, but also probably helps with preventing diseases, right? Um, you know, that could spread. Um you know, things like just unpleasant smells and sights yeah. and grotesqueness. And yeah, I think it's interesting that like I now we've become so advanced that like we're going back to nature. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's that's fascinating.
0: Yeah, it it totally is. Well, as we are circling back, even on the ethical dilemmas, there's just one other thing that I'll bring up. Mm-hmm. Is in yeah. these ethical dilemmas, uh, aside from the terms and conditions that we're unknowingly yeah. agreeing to, the the side of what's good about all of these issues is truly amazing. And this is where marketing comes into play. Yeah. I think when we are helping to uh, take a product to market and it's something that like phones, right. One of the things that a phone can do is it can track my whereabouts that can be good. And yeah. then there's where it's not so good. Right. So yeah. I feel like there's going to be jobs in that area about, making sure that there's enforcement and things that, okay, that would be crossing the line. So no, we don't do that. And it moves into the dark web for whatever purpose it is. You know, I feel like there's going to be more enforcement in ethics.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I hope so. I mean, it's interesting because I feel like some of that happens. Like, so I've had a number of clients. Well, some of that happens, but I feel like it's not always what you would think, right? Like for example, uh, one of my client, a few of my clients, I don't know, maybe it's not that I, I mean, I love any kind of business, you know, business is interesting, but I've had a few, like, I guess, quote unquote, alternative businesses. Yeah. So yeah. one was, it's been a sex tech, um, business, uh, where one of my clients shout out to Glenice Moore of Skimutech, She created a prosthetic genital device, mm-hmm. uh, which is really cool, you know, for, um, transgender, non-binary, you know, femme, you know, lesbians. And it's, it's a really cool product. It's been really challenging for her to bring it to market and it can change a lot of lives. And like, you know, she can't advertise on Google or Facebook,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? You know, like she gets banned. Like it's, you know, and that's a common thing. Even I've had a client who has a intimates business and, you know, she can't really, you just have to jump through loopholes. So I feel like that kind of happens already, but it's in a way that maybe you wouldn't expect. Same thing for, you know, cannabis. I have a few cannabis companies or CBD companies. Now I think, you know, Google and Facebook have relaxed some of their requirements, but like you couldn't advertise uh, because it was against those guidelines. So I think it's really interesting, like, because who's creating the guidelines, right? Like, is it going to be something like where like the CFPB steps in Consumer Financial Protection Bureau? Is that like, does that fall under finance? Is it like the FCC? Is there you know, some type of, yeah, some type of independent board for like marketing. Maybe there is, you know, um, but I feel like it happens somewhat and I feel like it's probably run by people in the, the industry, Mm -hmm. probably in response to regulation, which may not be a bad thing. Right. Um, but I don't know, I guess, I, I guess maybe there needs to be more awareness around, um, You know some type of agency or some type of governing body that can set some of those rules and standards
0: you should go watch the future of i'm just (laughs)
1: i'll check it out some (laughs) of those things
0: that we're talking about would be addressed in some of those episodes so very interesting well we're closing in on like the last of the show it's been a great conversation i'm i'm really very happy with all of the the directions that we've gone it's fun What is the best mentoring advice that you want Mm. to share with our listeners?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I would say the best mentoring advice is. Yeah, I think, yeah, I guess I have a few kind of pieces. I think one is just sometimes I would say it's a, it's a balance. One thing I've had to learn is how to be patient um and i think mentorship can help you i think it's all about expectations i think the best piece of mentoring advice that i could give somebody is if you have if you're trying to accomplish something in your life whether that's you know have a better relationship with your wife or a spouse or you know husband whatever partner um whether that's you want to start a business whether that's you want to make more money whether that's you want to enter a new career whether that's you want to advance any creative endeavor I think understanding like how maybe how long things might take Mm -hmm. is like really important I feel like mentorship can help you with that like so it works two ways either it can help you learn to be more patient like hey maybe this timeline that you that you have isn't really realistic Um, and, you know, you're really just setting yourself up for disappointment and failure because if you, you know, if you think you're going to accomplish it in X amount of time and it takes longer, you might just give up. Um, on the other side, I also think that there is, you know, you can also be stuck and maybe you're not moving quickly enough in changing things. Maybe you're not taking it seriously enough. And so I think maybe seek out mentors who can help, you know, challenge your expectations about whatever thing it is that you're trying to accomplish and make sure that you have the right expectations. Cause I think having expectations or bad expectations is like the enemy of progress. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So yeah, that would be my advice.
0: That's good advice too. Patience is something that people, they, they don't want to possess, but yeah, if you don't, you get lots of more trials until you reach that place. of I get it. Absolutely. Yep. How can our listeners find you?
1: Yeah, so you can find me on LinkedIn. I think we have the link, linkedin.com backslash in Sam Um, And then also my website. It's pretty easy to remember. It's 8cast, with the number 8, 8cast.co. So Thanks yeah.
0: sharing that. Yeah, yeah right. of course. Super Thanks helpful. for having me. Yeah, and just so you know, our and our listeners, we put your LinkedIn uh, link on the uh, mm-hmm. at the end of the in, at the end of the show on the visual side. So if somebody is that's listening, you're trying to find that, you'll be able to go to it on our YouTube channel. But it's also we publish it in the description of the show, so they can find it no matter where they are <laughs> and they're listening to it in audio. It's Excellent. hyperlinked, so it will send people to you.
1: Okay, perfect. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it.
0: Well, Sam, it's been so great having you on the show. I want to thank you again for coming on, and I am looking forward to when you do your presentation at Prepare for VC, and then mm-hmm. also for uh, Transcend. Didn't couldn't tune into all of the times that you're appearing in places. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, thanks. Thank you for having me on your show. And thank you for connecting me with all these different networks so that I can speak. So you've really been helpful in giving me a platform to showcase my expertise. And, and for this platform to showcase my background, I think we, we dove into some things that I haven't even really thought about for myself, let alone presenting to an audience of people that I don't know yet. But now I feel like we're family guys.
0: Okay, well, (laughs) Well, thanks again, Sam.
1: Yeah, of course. Thank you, Isabella.
0: Thank you to our video and editing sponsor, Cat Five Studios. We want to thank our production and editing editor, Josue Gonzalez, and our music by Sophie Lloyd. Visit Employers for Change at www.e4c.tech to learn how you can create real diversity and inclusion culture while scaling your people for the future. Thank you for supporting the Intern Whisper by subscribing to us on Podbean. Or you can find our video on our Employers for Change YouTube and Facebook channels. Or you can stream from your favorite podcast channel.